Okay. Uh, Zevon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Famous Last Words, a filmmaking podcast, a making of film podcast, a film appreciation podcast. A, a podcast about films. And movies. And movies. And films. And films and movies and cinema. Oh, cinema. That's a good yeah, word. A, a, a film. This is a filmmaking podcast about cinema. I think that's a good definition. Yeah, good, good. It's one. a filmmaking <laughs> podcast about cinema. Cinema movies. Cinema movies. Cinematic movies. Cinematic movies. <laughs> a filmmaking podcast about cinematic movies. That's us. Uh, we are. Well, I am. I wouldn't dare speak for you. I'm Andrew Alden, and you are Teresa Alden. And we are not brother and sister. No, no, no. We're yeah. Married. That would be weird. This is a, a nice Easter celebration here of the podcast, and. Uh, Today we're talking about Ruben Ostlund's uh, last year film, uh, Triangle of Sadness. That's last year being 2022, in case you're watching this in the distant future. Or maybe this is the only artifact left of Western society. Um, so, yeah, here you go. So, is this runway casting for a grumpy brand or a smiley brand? So it's a grumpy brand, yeah. Congratulations! Show me that Balenciaga look. Suddenly, I'm dressed in something way less expensive. It's H&M. Yay! Balenciaga. And H&M. Balenciaga. And H&M. It looks paid for the tickets. Not bad, huh? <laughs> so what do you do? I sell shit. So, Ruben Oslund is a... Um, He's made the movie The Square and Force Majeure, and he is uh, another one of a... We seem to really gravitate towards these movies, but uh, theater of the bizarre and strange uh, type of type of deals. This movie is a little surrealistic, like maybe one... It's all set in the real world. There's no magic, but mm -hmm. this is a story of a bunch of very, very wealthy people, Russian oligarchs, Instagram and real models, and... Uh, weapons dealers all getting together on a ship that is captained by Woody Harrelson, who has kind of a small role in this movie. He's very featured, prominently mm -hmm. featured in the uh, the trailer, but he is actually... The movie only takes place partly on the boat, because eventually, because of pirates, they get shipwrecked. Yep, yep, yep. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, we're working our way through the Oscar nominees from last year, just in time to, to not watch this year's Oscar nominees. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, we're a little behind on this one, but um, it's yeah, like you said, it's it's in the collection of like absurd humor, uh, talking, you know, social commentary about wealth and class and privilege and all that, which has become sort of a topic of dark humor recently. Yeah, this is definitely if you uh, collect them all, this is in the same. <laughs> vein of last year's movies of glass onion and um the menu this is definitely in that same vein and they're all treated pretty differently actually you, mm -hmm. you know this one i thought going in would be a lot like uh the menu and it really isn't like the menu it's um there's a lot more the aesthetic is super different this movie is not very stylized in its cinematography it's very matter of fact a lot of uh very a lot of static shots that 
hold on the stack shots for the sake of humor. It's kind of like a Yorgos Lathamos type deal where it holds on the shots just uncomfortably long so that it embraces the cringe of the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. And like, it's not always on the person speaking. It's sometimes like a really long shot on the person reacting to the person speaking, um, which I particularly like. I like letting letting the shot hold and seeing what happens in this frame and lots of wide shots, um, but not like strange, weird angles. Like, like um, yeah, just nothing that takes you too out of the world, but just like is a more subtle hint of the absurdity. Yeah, I, I mean, cinematography really is interesting uh, as a thing because there's lots of schools of thought about it, obviously, but the... Comparing this directly to the menu, the menu has shots that like are kind of impossible angles for the human eye to see. You know, they're low, they're really high angle shots of the, you know, the, uh, the food or gl- glory, like mm-hmm. really, really in- extreme close ups. And this movie, everything is kind of eye level almost the entire time. There's no shots that like are huge above you know huge top down shot uh, bird's eye shots or like you know anything that's really i can't think of any sort of special shot another thing about this movie is there's all extended and i'm sure you'll have something to say about this there's an extended sequence about where there's like uh rocky seas and the camera is never handheld in that oh which, yeah uh is a strong choice i think yeah yeah it was it's very well done when the whole dinner scene where everything is like tilting on the boat and everything yeah i mean i think it's a a super great uh i you know so a quick editor's note here we uh we have a a antagonist there's one person who wishes to take down the great famous last words podcast one person or one canine one canine person (laughs) and his name is zivon t borkington and uh sometimes he wants to he expects a bribe when we do the podcast and uh you know so if we, he doesn't get it he, he doesn't like get a it. political prisoner yeah he he is he is a political prisoner um anyway so we were talking about uh you were talking about the sequence kind of the most notable like the famous mm-hmm. sequence from this movie right like this is the one yeah which i didn't know anything going into this film which was great like i just knew it was about wealthy people on a boat and it was like satire and humor so um which is good because i don't know if i actually would have watched the movie if i knew a little bit more about this scene (laughs) because i was really i was really into the movie i feel like it had really great humor it didn't go too far like touched on some things um but i was just like enjoying the absurdity the silliness the like brand of humor (laughs) and i didn't i still don't hate it but when you get to the dinner scene, they have to do the captain's dinner on the rockiest day, like a storm's kind of coming because right. Woody Harrelson's an alcoholic and like she's basically like the head of the ship that of the the kind of the head of all operations. Yeah, lady. operations. She's like the only day we can't do it is like on Tuesday, and he's like, okay, we're gonna do it on Tuesday. <laughs> right. So you know something's coming. So. They're all dressed up. They're having this really fancy... So you like, hadn't seen anything. You didn't know this was coming. No, I had no oh, idea. Oh, I see. I knew it was coming. I had no clue, which is good. I mean, I could have guessed a few things, but no, I hadn't seen any footage or anything of it. Mm-hmm. So um, they're all dressed up. They're eating this fancy seven-course meal or whatever, and 
the boat is just like rocking like crazy and the camera's tilting with it and uh vomitus ensues people blow out from all all parts of the human body which i just like cannot handle i was like covering my eyes i never cover my eyes during movies i can watch the most gruesome horror scene oh see i can't but and i cannot take vomiting more than once like i can handle it once or twice and then this just goes on and on and on and it's funny i mean it's silly it makes you laugh but you're just like this is so disgusting i cannot watch a single second <laughs> yeah no it, it was it was a lot to take it was a lot for the you know and it, it lasts a long time. It's the middle part of the movie. And it feel, the way it's set up is it feels like the climax of a really tight, mm-hmm. like, two, like hour and 40 minute movie. But coming out of it, so the, the, my favorite, it's, it's really funny because that's like the precursor to my favorite sequence of the movie, which is when this Russian oligarch who sells manure, uh, sells shit, <laughs> uh, is with Woody Harrelson. And Woody Harrelson is an American capitalist. American communist and he's a Russian capitalist Mm -hmm. and they love that and he buys the boat I guess and they're basically talking over the uh, the megaphone to the entire boat and they're reading from you know Karl Marx and they're just having a grand old time that is my favorite part too Um, while all the vomiting is happening while all the vomiting (laughs) is happening I also my favorite sequence is when the two arms dealers who are these like dotty kind of old uh, British folks come over and they're like they're they sell hand grenades. The hand grenade is just thrown onto the ship, and they, she picks it up, and she's like, "Is this one of ours?" And they're looking at it, and he's he's like expecting it. He's just like not realizing it's a live grenade. So yeah, I mean, well, one thing to add to that point is similar to the menu. Like it had like really really funny moments and scenes, but I actually think the strength of this film over the menu was like it sustained. It wasn't like just a film of a collection of funny things. It sustained like the story and the environment better and like the tone and it's like so it's a bunch of funny scenes but it felt more put together except for my one issue is exactly what you said like I thought the end of the movie was after that big climatic vomiting silly capitalism socialism debate scene and then a pirate throws a grenade on the boat and it blows up and I was like great Perfect Mo- ending of a movie. We're movie over. Like an hour and 30 or 40 minutes in at that point. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on. For like another we hour. paused it for a moment and I was like, oh my God, there's an hour left of this film? Yeah. Stop it. Stop making too long films. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the... So the, so the first half of the, the first hour and a half of the movie, there's like a little prequel. There's a little like, you know, like overture almost to the movie mm-hmm. where they're like having dinner and they're kind of arguing. It's letting you understand Carl. I think his name was Carl and Yaya. Yeah, Carl and Yaya played by Harris Dickinson and, and the late Charlie B. Dean who passed away from sepsis because mm-hmm. she had no spleen, I guess, you know, from a car accident, like right before this movie. Wow. And um, anyway, so the first hour and a half minus that little 20 minute 10 minute overture is about like the the powers of money and the powers of wealth and the powers of you know these people on the boat and then the last hour is about the powers of beauty because the only currency which matters in the i think in the this is my interpretation Mm -hmm. in the last hour is the the power of beauty because carl basically so they get shipwrecked and only a few of them are left alive or maybe there a lot of them are left alive and they ended up elsewhere. But anyway, mm. um, 
so this woman Abigail, who is like a bathroom cleaner on the ship, survives, but she's the only one with any survival instincts and survival uh, aptitude. Like she can fish, she can cook, she can make fire, and she kind of like enslaves Carl into like a <laughs> sexual relationship to get pretzel <laughs> pretzel sticks pretzel sticks <laughs> and it's because he's beautiful and she you know like mm-hmm. that's what matters in the end it's funny that you picked that because you're right but i think this film it, it's commenting on a, several different things like wealth and power like capitalism socialism and how that dynamic works um gender roles and who has the power and um yeah beauty i think beauty and power um so the part that i gravitated towards was actually i mean there's some commentary about prostitution so it's usually powerful men right taking advantage of beautiful women uh and women using it as a way to have their own kind of power right and survive in some way and this is like literal survival but they make it funny about pretzel sticks <laughs> um but i think the so the the big thing i picked up was like the switch of the power dynamic <clears throat> so the woman the, like director of operations is sort of Paula, in, yeah yeah is kind of like in control of the whole crew um the staff and um what's the woman who abigail abigail who is basically like maintenance cleans she's like the lowest level on the ship yeah the power dynamic is completely switched because abigail is the only one that actually knows how to do anything and is can fish and cook and fill the fire and keep them alive so now she has all of the power all of these super wealthy people it doesn't matter anymore how much money they have or beauty or whatever because she's in control because they all need her and so then they, they bring back the capitalism and the socialism thing because she's all, like... All those super wealthy people are like, we should share what we have. <laughs> yes, they're like, we should share equally when she has all this fish and yeah. squid and like um she hands them out one at a time and then she keeps like a whole chunk and she's like, yeah, well, I did all the work. You guys just sat on your butts and did nothing. Right. And it's just, it's it's very clever. I Even though I felt like it's kind of too long of a movie... I did enjoy the second half and what it had to say about that, but um, I don't know. I was trying to tackle a lot, <laughs> and I think it did it was a, a pretty big swing. good job. I think it, it it's similar. Um, I watched White Lotus mm-hmm. on HBO. You did not. I told you a little. I assume bit about this is it. a lot like White Lotus. It's it has exactly the same themes. Like it explores gender, race, privilege, wealth. It goes all over power, mm-hmm. power with sex, sexuality, um, and it takes two seasons to do it. Um, but I actually think like this was less heavy-handed. Like this was more humorous, and I think White Lotus like had I don't know. It was a lot more sadness involved and more direct like drama about those themes. It's hard to do all those things in one film. Like, and I don't think they did a bad job. I wouldn't say, like, oh, they should have just tackled one thing. Yeah, so this movie was nominated for three Oscars. Best Picture, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Directing. And it didn't win any of them. Um, I, interestingly enough, uh, and I like, I think BAFTAs are, are kind of a, 
people like to compare the Golden Globes to the Oscars, but I think the BAFTAs are really interesting because they seem to appreciate slightly different things. And it's interesting to see what BAFTAs, the British Oscars, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nominee, it got three nominees in ba- for the BAFTA, and it got a Best Casting by a Best Casting, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Abigail, uh, mm. Dolly De Leon. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I think the casting, that's a good point. The casting was great. Like, a lot of semi-unknown actors, I didn't know them. Doesn't mean they're not known. But Woody Harrelson is the biggest U.S. like known actor. And um, Yeah, I don't think I recognized anyone else. But they were all really great, and they all fit the vibe and like oh that's the thing i like over white lotus is they are all a little bit like of a caricature of something but it seems so much more subtle and i am so much more accepting of it than white lotus like white lotus is like oh yeah that's this person that's this person that's what they're like just too much like in a box like Mm -hmm. these care i don't know they just treated the themes of the characters a little bit better and I know, I, yeah, they, they really did. I felt like every character felt really realistic. So whatever his process is, it mm-hmm. really works with these actors. Um, I think it's because they're unknowns. I think it, like, mm. you know, Woody Harrelson shows up and you're like, oh, Woody Harrelson is in this movie. But like they hold him back and they hold him back and he does a lot of his lines from behind the wall of his cabin door. Mm-hmm. I think that's intentionally like kind of helps highlight privilege in a weird way like it's like Woody Harrelson is in this movie but we don't get to see him <laughs> it's like kind of like a meta making you realize privilege and and, and what have you mm-hmm. it sets up the suspense too because you're like when do we get to see Woody Harrelson do his do his thing <laughs> his thing um, and I know all of you care about this and he Woody Harrelson was a nominee for best supporting actor at the AARP movies for grown-up awards uh, <laughs> Ooh, nice yeah it, I, I know and congratulations congratulations Woody. Woody yeah I mean that's a pretty big honor I'm trying to see who won <laughs> but uh <clears throat> would you uh, uh Judd Hirsch won for the Fablesman he, he beat out Woody Harrelson darn, darn. AAR- next time he is more AARP than Woody Harrelson that's true yeah yeah I guess I wonder if that's a thing though if you get nominated for AARP award you have to be of a certain age. Of a certain age, because Probably. everyone here is of a certain age. Over the, oh, I forget what the retirement. 50. 50, not retirement. but Or is it 60? It might even be 60. <laughs> uh, and the best movie, the best movie for grown-ups at the AARP Awards was Top Gun Maverick. Just saying. I love that it's called Best Movie for Grown-ups. <laughs> it's good. It's great. Yep. Well... Um, so so did you enjoy this film i did what's can you remind me of our rating system i can never hold that in my head mm. and neither can you convenient well our rating system is pretty simple so you skip it you watch it or you own it because you love it so much and you need the physical thing to watch over and over and over again okay i'm gonna hold, before you answer this question this movie is coming out in criterion collection just saying oh man okay <laughs> go ahead okay Mine has like a little footnote. I think a footnote. <laughs> or like an exception, an asterisk. Uh I think it's watch it, but if I skipped over the vomiting scene, a good chunk of it, then maybe I'd own it. I just can't. I can't do it. It's too much. That's that that's a good caveat. I think that's a good distinction. 
But I feel like we're gonna own it anyway. So what would you say? I, I think watch it. I don't know. I don't need to own this one. Oh. I uh, I'd like to watch it again. I mean, it's kind of similar to Parasite. I loved Parasite when I saw it in movie theaters, but it came out on Hulu. It's been on Hulu for a really long time. I'm guessing they might even have like a three year exclusivity deal mm. with Hulu. Um, but this movie, honestly, if I really want to watch it again, I only want to watch this in chunks. So maybe yeah. don't own it. I don't know. So I would watch Parasite, uh, Parasite again. I like that. Oh, I'll definitely watch Parasite again. But this movie, Triangle of Sadness, the movie we're talking about, only mm. watch in chunks. Ah, uh, okay. I misunderstood. Yeah, no, I, I was, it was a little convoluted. Um, you know who wasn't convoluted is Baz Luhrmann winning uh, Best Director at the AARP Movies for Grown-Up Awards. <laughs> Great job, Baz. Great job. And the Career Achievement Award winner was Jamie Lee Curtis at the AARP Movies <laughs> There's no one more AARP than Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I know. She's got those, like, yogurt bacteria, keep yourself regular com- commercials. She does, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Is that it? No, we have a question for our mail mailbag. Oh, mailbag. Cheryl T. asks us, do you ever hold movies to different standards? Depending on releases, Hollywood blockbusters are indie drama Oscar bait bullshit. Um, <laughs> oh, Cheryl. Yeah, Cheryl's a little, coming a little hot. Do you, uh, I guess the question is, do you hold movies to different standards? Like? Like, yeah. The answer is, the short answer is yes, right? Like, oh, yeah. Top Gun, we had no expectations and I was blown away, much like the uh, fifth generation fighters. Um, <laughs> not to be mistaken with Russians or North Koreans. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no I, the political prisoner is back at it. Yeah. We stopped the flow of the, the treats. <laughs> the, the treats, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, I, 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 I think I hold different movies to different standards. Someone says this is really excellent. I expect mm-hmm. it to be really excellent. Yeah. I think I'm... I think hype plays into it. Like, are things hyped up because they're really good? Or because we pump out so much content now that things that are just pretty good, everyone's like, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Because there's so much like crap and mediocre things out there, crap. especially TV. Like, I like, this is a common thing. I like the TV more than Andrew. Mm-hmm. The TV. <laughs> you like the TV. I like the miniseries. I like all that. That's why I watched White Lotus. You didn't. I just told you about it. You just wa- you watched Severance. I didn't. Yep. T- tons of things. And... You know, like a lot of times I feel like the things that get really, really hyped and people are like, this is the best thing I've ever seen are just things that are good, like solid filmmaking, pretty solid storytelling, and that I would reserve the best things in the world (laughs) for like the films I watch over and over and over again and I'm just completely blown away by and I don't know. So I think I do hold things to a standard of like, I'm skeptical when people are like, I love this thing. It's so great. It's the best thing I've ever seen, which I didn't used to be that way. I used to take word of mouth like clear, like, okay, if this person likes it, I'm going to like it. I think, um, you know, my word on that is about the golden age. Like people are talking about the golden age of television, much like Triangle of Sadness. (laughs) The golden age of this movie is everything on the boat. And then everything after the boat is is forced. Yeah. uh, and forced commentary forced commentary and forced profoundness it's it's not bad but it's just like it's not 
you know, there's no, I don't know. Just cut it short. Just edit, people. Just edit. I also feel like an <laughs> the ninety. I, I'm completely on the Joe Dante, Josh Olsen, uh, uh trip about ninety minute movies are the are the you know if you can do it an hour and a half, you're like mm-hmm. two and a half hours is a long time. Of course, you can tell a, a intricate story in that amount of time. You know, what I mean, like there's yeah. something about there's you know the skill involved. I'm into the hour and a half hour 40 minutes movie and then if you need it to be longer i'm cool with a one series show like a mini they don't call them mini series anymore but that's what they used to say like a 12 episode thing an eight episode thing i really like that because if you need the time to tell a more intricate story especially something that might be like based off of a novel like give yourself the time but don't abuse it there are some things out there from my from my understanding of severance could be a two-hour or 90-minute movie. Mm-hmm. It's dragged over what, how many hours? How many mm, episodes? I think it's eight episodes. Eight hours? Okay. Yeah. All right. But actually, I would have been fine with an eight-hour exploration of the whole show. Like, it's going on to another series, uh, season, and who knows, maybe more after that. But I felt like they could have condensed it into one, maybe eight to ten episode uh, miniseries. Right. So. Well, it's time for us to, to, to depart here, leave the podcast land. We had uh, a great time. We had a great time. time. If you like us, like us on subscribe, listen to our podcast. It really does help us out because it makes us feel validated. <laughs> and we need that. And we need a little bit of external validation these days. It is what it is. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>